Father God, we come before you. You're the King of glory. Hallelujah, God. King of kings, King of glory, the Lord that you are, the Elohim, your almighty Father. We come before you, God, because you're El Shaddai, the Lord. So, Father, now, <laughs> we just want to be with you. We want to feel your presence all throughout our lives, dear Lord. We want to know that you are guiding us, protecting us. We, we want to walk with the courage of knowing these things to be true, dear Father. So stop by here and speak to us this morning, God. With clarity. With power. With your anointing. We just want to be with you, Father. So, Lord, <laughs> cause no separation, dear Lord, Father. Remove the sins of our lives. Search our hearts and search those things that are not like thee, Lord. Remove them, things, replace them with things that are holy and righteous, God. Because you are holy and you are righteous. And we just want to be with you today. So, Father, now, as we decrease, Lord, you increase. If you become small, micro, Father, you become big and mighty and bold. Father, for me, dear Lord, as I break myself before you. You'll be the potter and I'll be the clay. With thy hand forming to the man of God, you call me to be for this reason, for the season, and for now. From one high anointing, God. Be the breath of life into me, Father, that when I speak, I speak with clarity, precision, precision, Father, and power that only you can render upon me, Father. Bless these thy people, dear Lord, as we go forth before you. And we wage war against the enemy. We claim victory now. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say, Amen. church and I was contemplating selling the tickets. I was like, man, I mean, Kim was gone. But we understand that those tickets are tools for fishing. Because we take men to games and we sit there and talk about life. And it becomes an opportunity to break down the barriers of religion and religiosity and just do life. So today I want to come to you on the topic of fishermen fish. Are you a fisherman? We're going to read from the text, John Luke, the 5th chapter, the 17th to the 26th verse. And it says here, 
from verse 17. I'll read the NIV version. Follow along with me, please. Your version. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to thinking themselves, thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went away, went home praising God. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen, we have seen remarkable things today. I'll read 26 again. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Father God, bless these words we have sent out before your people, dear Lord. Let them digest them, hear them, let them grow inside of them. Father, let them speak power into their lives, dear Lord. Release yourself into them today. Give them clarity of thought, give them understanding in their hearing, and give them power, Father, to fight for the fight of the faith. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all said, Amen. You may rest in the presence of the Most High God. Amen. So we're in the series. We're in the series right now called uh, Who's Your One? Who's Your One? Not Who's Your Like Basketball, but Who's Your One? And today I told you the topic is, is Fisherman fish. Are you a fisherman? It's an exciting time to be here at Parliament Church this summer season. We have vacation Bible school, which we love vacation Bible school. I wish we could do it once a month, every month, but you know, that's too much. But uh, it was a great time. And we decided to switch from our, our normal summer camp. I shouldn't say normal because we're in a new church. Nothing's normal. Uh, everything we do is the first time. And so we. Uh, Decided to, we decided to go every Friday with something to do for the kids, for the families, and really be an extension to families so they can have a place to gather in a safe place, a comfortable space, something that was free, economically free, uh, just something exciting to do that they would do normally, but you know, we do it collectively here in the space that we have. This is a wonderful space that God has given us. This is a space we use for fishing. We're fishermen here in this space. We were at a school for about a year, and then we moved over here. Really, just we didn't move. Over. We didn't move here to have service. We moved over here to serve the community. And what happened was we said it was cold outside, and we stayed and stayed <laughs> one month because we were setting up and tearing down. In the winter, it was harsh, and so we stayed. We stayed believing that God has something for us on the other side. We refused. We put our foot down and said we're not going back to the school. We're going back to a new place. We'll have worship. We're keeping this space so we can be fisher 
men and fisher women. Now, I'm gonna say fishermen. No offense to sisters. I'm you know just fisher woman. Takes me some time. Takes me some time. Work with me. So we stayed. And God has been blessing us. And so we have the possibility of two locations now instead of just one. I'm really excited about that. So in the fall, we'll be worshiping somewhere nearby on Sunday morning. And we'll continue to have this space here for the community and for our kids and for youth. And so we're really big on kids. We are big on kids. We figure that if you train a child as which he should go, he will not depart from it because the word of the Lord says that. And so we spend time with the kids. But here we find these men. These men had a mission, much like the Harlem Church has a mission. These men had a mission. Mission drives us, doesn't it? It doesn't. It doesn't it drive us. Mission gets you motivated. It drives us as individuals. It drives us in our culture. It, 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 some of us are all conference Christians. We have a mission statement over our fireplace, over our television in the main room, and it sees every day you have the team come out, come out and see the mission, you know, whatever it is. You're all-star Christians. At our house, we have something over the door. We come out every day. It's, it's the commission that I see. I see that every day. They keep me motivated. Why I'm living. What, what's my purpose? What's my mission for the Lord? I don't, I don't I can't say I see it every day. I know it's there. So I just say, oh, it's there. And I, I kind of know what it's saying. So it just embeds itself in me. And so there's some great companies, you know, all of, who has an Instagram account? Who has an Instagram account? Okay, okay. Instagram has... Uh, is one is a is a place that you know we we take pictures we put them up and you know what but they have a mission. The mission for Instagram is to capture and share the world's moments. That's their mission. The NBA, NBA man, it was so confusing today that I I I'm grew up in Los Angeles. So I'm a Laker fan, going back to the days of Magic Johnson and Jamal Wilson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is the greatest player of all time. So now Michael Jordan is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so, just, just to be clear, just to be clear, just to be clear, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, who has more points? I'm just saying, all right, all right. Uh, who changed the game? Who know? Who took away dunking because it was just, it was just you know, I'm just saying, anyway. Um, Mike. No, Mike, is, Mike is nice. Mike is the greatest small forward of all times. <laughs> I know people hating on me now. That's what say, 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 like, say, like, don't fight me. But, but I was amazed that the Lakers got fooled. They thought they were going to get this guy named Kali. Kali, say his name? Kali? Leonard? Kali Leonard. They thought they were going to get him, boy. I was excited, too. He just won the NBA championship. I was excited. And then, boom, right? Just downstairs around the hall where the Clippers got him. In the very same building. They brought on another player as well. Used to play for Indiana, but now plays for, well, anyway. So the NBA is a, is a place that has a mission. Their mission is compete with intensity, lead with integrity, and inspire play. Compete with intensity, lead with integrity, and inspire play. They have a mission. Clippers seem to be on that mission better than everybody else right now. And then how many people went to McDonald's in the last month? If you have kids, I know you went to McDonald's more than likely. Most of us did at some point in time. The McDonald's is what, what, you know, they have a mission too. Their mission is to be our customer's favorite place and way to eat and drink. That's their mission. What's the number one business in America right now? Anybody know? Amazon. On the Fortune 100, who's the number one? Amazon. No, Amazon is not. No. It's shocking, right? 
is Walmart. Walmart is still number one. Even with Amazon around, Walmart is still number one. Do you know we have the pleasure of being closest to the most violent Walmart in all of Charlotte? Right over here in South Triad. Do you guys know that? That's the most violent Walmart in all, all of Charlotte. They did a news story on it, but Walmart has a, 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 a statement too, a mission statement that says, to save people money so they can live better. To save people money so they can live better. Everyone should have a mission statement for themselves, for their family, for themselves, for their business, for their careers. What's your mission statement? Our Lord and Savior Jesus had a mission statement too. It can be found in Luke 19 and 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. A few questions I want to ask you today. Here's a passage of scripture. Look at the fishermen who are here. What drives you? What motivates you? What completes you? What gets you up in the morning and stirs you up? What things spiritually has God put in your heart that you long to see fruit to come from? What, what, is, what has God placed into your heart that you want your life to happen in your lifetime? What has God spoken to you and said you, you have to have it happen in your lifetime? Oh, what is your dream? Your aspiration? What, what, what is the dream that you have that, that keeps you going when times get hard? What is the dream that sometimes it feels as though something dark has happened and your dream may not come to pass? What is that dream? When was the last time you stopped to think about that dream? But see, one thing I know for certain is if, if you have mission, when things get difficult, when things get hard, you can always go back to what your mission is. When this thing is going to work out, you always go back to what drives you, what motivates you. What's your mission? I can imagine our Lord and Savior being in a situation where it's difficult and hard times where people didn't even believe who he was, who he was sent to do. He didn't, they didn't trust him, didn't ignore him. They were, the Pharisees were against him. I, I can imagine at times he must have thought, you know, when he went to the quiet rooms to pray when he with his disciples when, they, when he didn't walk with them like they should have been walking with them. I, I can understand that sometimes he could think things were a little bleak. I can understand when he was almost to the fulfillment of his passion, and there he was with two daughters, two, 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 two of his daughters, but two, two sisters, Martha and, and Mary, and, and, and they got to a place, and he, and they said, if you had been here, our brother would not have died, but I, I, I can understand why now that Jesus wept. They had forgotten what the mission was. They had forgotten that he was sent to fulfill this great mission in his life. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. These men had an eager expectation. They had eager expectation, these men. They actually believed that Jesus could heal this man. They, they felt as though Jesus was in a position to have power, that he could actually heal this man. They, they, thought, they thought, well, just maybe, just maybe, if we could take the risk of becoming you know, to move into a mission that we have, maybe we could just put ourselves in position that something good would happen for him, that he would be healed. This is true of men and women throughout the Bible. Joshua leading the Israelites into the promised land. Elijah on the Mount Carmel. 
We now live on the other side of Jesus' work, on the other side of the cross through the empty tomb. How much greater should our expectations be? We are living in the post-life on earth that Jesus lived. And we saw and know, we feel and experience his glory every day. How much more should we be expecting Jesus to do now than what he did then? Do you live a life of expectation? Do you live a life understanding that he died and rose with all power in his hand? That he's not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should change his mind? That what he set out to do, what he speaks into existence, it has to come to pass. Do you live your life with that great expectation that miracles will happen? Do you understand the mission that he went upon was to fulfill it so that we can all share in that glory? He came to save a dying world for you and for me. He came to wipe away all of our sins because he had a mission to fulfill for us too. Are you chasing after your dreams? Or are you letting them sit on the wayside? Because you don't have a mission. What's your mission? Do you have eager expectation of something coming to faith? Do you expect God to move in your life? Do you have great expectation for something glorious to happen? Are you have are you eager? In the morning when you take action to understand that it will come to pass, are you walking with understanding that you can't lose? Do you understand that you can't lose? You can't lose. You can't lose. It's impossible for you to lose. Now, it may not fall out the way that you want it to be initially. But when you're connected with God, when you're connected with the Lord and Savior Jesus, he puts us in a place that he had victory over the, over the cross, over death, that we share in that same victory. We are co-heirs with Christ, the, the word says. We are sharing in the glory and experience of Jesus' victory on earth as it will be in heaven. We are co-heirs when you believe in him and trust in him. You know, being a Christian is understanding that you believe that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again, and he sits on the right hand of the Father, and on one glorious day, we will all sit in judgment, and that he will testify on our behalf, bear witness for us. That's exciting, right? Yes. That's exciting, right? But also, do you understand that, you know, we talked about this last week in Bible study. You need to come to Bible study on Tuesday because we took it to another level. There's three degrees. There's those who, who are Christians. There's three levels of being a, a believer. There are those who are Christians, those who I just outlined right there. You know, it's like your first degree. How many Masons in the house? Don't raise your hand. So there's three degrees in Masonry as well. There's three degrees. There's three strikes in baseball. There's... There's mm -hmm. the three, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three there. Yeah. There's a lot of threes in life, you know, That's three right. things. You know, there's three degrees you can get in college. You get your undergrad degree, you get your master's right. degree, and you get your PhD, your doctorate, right? Well, there's three degrees, levels of being a Christian. The first one is you believe. So you're Christian. That's probably the easiest one. It's the most difficult to live like that, but it's the easiest one. Yeah. The next level, the next level is to be a disciple. The commission says go out and make disciples of men. That's just a disciple. That's the next step. That's that means you you're moving into it. You are actually sharing the gospel with somebody. Who's your one? You ask the question, who's your one? You're sharing the gospel with somebody. That's your next degree of maturity. And then but as word says, a true disciple 
a difference. There's a Christian, there's a, a disciple, but a true disciple bears much fruit. Where's your fruit? There's three levels. We study in Bible study. So the, the third level is one who is a true disciple is one who shares the gospel to others and they win souls for Christ. That's the true disciple. So this month we're doing this uh, Who's Your One? We're, not, we're moving from being unbelievers who are not even in the game to believers who are Christians to disciples who are those who want to be like Christ to become true disciples, those who go out and win souls for the Lord. Don't you want to get to heaven and say, man, I brought Jimmy and John and Susan into the kingdom too. You know? Here's my fruit basket. You know, you, got, you, know, you go to uh, a store, the grocery store, they got the little small baskets with wheels on it now. Mm -hmm. the, the half one. That's yeah. one I like. I can run, I don't have to <laughs> but they got the long, the big one, the normal one right there. You know, there's three levels of baskets when you go to the grocery store. You got the handheld, yeah. right? Right. You got the little one on the wheels, mm -hmm. right? And you got the traditional one, the long one, right? right? Which basket do you want to show up with on, on that day? <laughs> you want to come up to the Lord with a handheld? No. You want to come up with a little bitty basket? No. You want to come up with the, one with the bushels of fruit all up in it, the long Yes, the big long Big long So those are our mission. That's our mission. Our mission is to fill the basket to the point that it's so full with souls that we won. And we get to God, he says, Woo! Come to my line. I want to go to I want to go to the line that Jesus is sitting in. Talking about, oh, this is my boy right here. He's come through. These men, but they encountered an obstacle because of the crowd. There was so so many ways, so hard to get to Jesus. These men came to a point they almost were a point they wanted to give up because the crowd was so great. But these men also understood that they weren't going to throw up the flag to surrender. These men understood there was a way, if there was a way they were going to make a way. I went to a black college, and let me tell you, in a black college, back in the day, registration would take you about two weeks if you didn't pre-register. Anybody go to a black college? Anybody had to go through registration? Was it hard? Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is about black folk and registration. We just can't get registration together. I mean, we would sit in the hotness in the summer. You know, summer is hot in August when you go back to school. And you sit there, and it's burning up. It's a hundred. You know, it's ninety-five degrees outside. It's hundred and ten degrees in registration, and you're burning up, and you're trying to get through. There's an obstacle that happens right there. I know every year, every year. I don't know. It took them until the to the next century to get the you know, to call in and, and dial in. But for a season, you had to go through. You you were excited about going to school. You came to school, and then came registration. And you lose more people in college registration than you do in biology. I got a D in biology. Too bad. All right, I'm, hey, I'm supposed to scientist. So anyway, in life, we will have obstacles. And life will come to a point where it gets so difficult, you want to just give up. And life, you'll get to a place where it doesn't make sense. I shouldn't even go any further. But let me tell you, these men had a mission that they could look at their obstacles and say, I'm going to find a way to get to Jesus. So they went to the top of the roof and they dropped the man in because they were on a mission. What's your mission? What's your mission? When, it get, when times get hard and you feel like you want to give up, is there something that motivates you, that drives you to continue to fight the good fight of the faith? I'm here to tell you, to testify, to bear witness today, is the fact that Jesus lives. 
that he went to the cross and he got up with all power in his hand that I know, that I know, that I feel, I experience it. I, I, I feel his power, his glory. It anoints me, it empowers me, it embellishes inside of me, it grows inside of me. I know he's real because I should not be here. Most of us here have a testimony of how we should not be here. If it wasn't for the sickness, or it wasn't for the car accident, it wasn't for the bad choices that we make, if it wasn't for something happened that got you to a point that you almost should not be here. But God. But God. You have no rhyme or reason why that truck didn't take you out. But God. I was on my way going to pick somebody up from Bible, Bible school, and this truck came all the way over on West Boulevard, all the way over into our lane. And I looked at it like, oh my God. I didn't. And I eased out just enough to the side to miss it. And I thought, that's somebody's child in the back. I wasn't really worried about me. I was like, man, I would hate to be the, have to go tell the mama. But I probably wouldn't be able to because I probably would have been her. But then it hit me that, you know, this was just a tease to let you know you're on the right track. But it also was a test to let me know, remind me that you have a mission to complete. And then no hurt, no harm is going to come to the mission that God has placed you upon. No matter what comes your way, you're going to have to complete it because God placed you on a mission. And when you get to a point where you understand that now I can complete what God has set before me, that I can complete my mission, God will not deter you from completing the mission he assigned you to if you're willing to walk into it. If you're willing to say, I'll, I'll throw everything behind me, God, I'm going to complete what you set out before me. He will allow you to complete the mission he has for you. You understand? That takes away a lot of the fear of life. Because now you know that I don't have to be afraid when things come my way. I know that it, I'm going to have to laugh at this because I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But I know I'm going to get out of it somehow, some way. Because God has my back because he has me on a mission. I don't have to fear when money gets tight. or I don't have to fear when, when, the, when my business is not growing the way that I want it to. I don't have to fear when my child gets sick. I don't have to fear because God has already said he's worked it out for you. You're on your mission. What's your mission? What's your mission? What's your purpose is what I'm asking you. What's your purpose? What is the mission that God has placed you upon? Let me tell you, these men here knew they had a mission that nothing was going to stop them from fulfilling the role that they were going to complete. They were going to trust in Jesus. Do you trust him? In what ways has Jesus transformed your life? What, in what ways did, have you moved away from the, your dark past into your, your well-lit forwardness, your well-lit future? What, what ways have you moved from where you once were to where you're going right now? Let me tell you, as long as you're moving forward, as long as you're going step by step, it doesn't have to be a big leap, it doesn't have to be a big hurdle, it just has to be a forward moving towards being more like Christ, becoming more like a disciple of Jesus to a place, to, to a point where you can get to be a true disciple. Some of us have never shared the gospel of Jesus with anybody, ever, but that's okay. That's okay, because now we're in a season where we can say, you know, I have a testimony. All I want to know is hear from your heart. You don't have to be brilliant in your speech. They just want to know, you ask me some question, how may I pray for you? That could be your entree into a discussion where you can then share, you know, I feel you. I once 
was captured, captured by sin. I don't know what it could be. It could have been, you know, they say 97% of Christian men have looked at porn. Or maybe it's pornography. I don't know. They say that, I, I know this to be true, black folks smoke, y'all smoke, we smoke too much weed. I never smoked it, but y'all smoke too much weed. You know, that's not a sin, that's natural. Okay, it's natural. That's natural, but it, you know, well, you can't pass a test to get into, you know, South Bend, Indiana has this big thing with this guy named Mayor Pete who's running for mayor, running for president of the United States. And I want to give him a hard time, Mayor Pete, I want to give Mayor Pete a hard time about how he treats the black folks in South Bend. And you probably saw it in the news. He went and anointed, he went and, um, he went and asked, uh, I guess, the black folk what he can do better. And they asked, they said, you need to have some black officers. The city is 26% black people, 6% of the police department are, are black. They've been giving him a hard time. And I want to give him a hard time, too, which I do. I text him all the time. I'm always riding Pete on something, trying to help him out to be a better candidate for president. Because I ran for mayor of the same town. We're friends. We went to the same school. We're friends. But one thing I know is when I went and talked to the, when I ran for mayor and I asked the black police chief, why don't have more black officers on the police force? He said, because they can't pass the test. I told you guys this before. And the test they can't pass is they, they smoke too much weed. So when it came time for them to pass the test to be a police officer, they can't get black people on the police department because we can't pass the drug test. So now that Peter's running for mayor, Peter's not going out and tell people that in America, the reason we don't have black people on the police force is because too many of them cannot pass the drug test because it would sound like he was being a racist. But I know why we don't have black people in the police department. One reason is because we can't pass the test. Because we didn't get on our mission to complete the task. We need more black folk on the police department in South Bend and cities like Charlotte and around the country than other places because of what black men are going through every day. And the South Bend is like Chicago. Chicago may have 30 shootings in one Friday night. Charlotte, hold on, I don't know why I'm talking about this now in Charlotte. Charlotte has had more shootings, more homicides this year than they've had in recent history. And it's all because of relationships. Murder is not done randomly. Homicides are done by people that know one another. Familiarity with one another. Thinking less of one another. And I'm here to say, to bring it back, is that I think that we're seeing society to fall off of its mission. We need more people to focus on what the mission we have in life is to make disciples of men, disciples of women, to share the gospel of Jesus. If more of us were spending more time being in tune with what we're called to do in this life of being Christians, then all this violence was set aside. Victory would be ours. We need more people like you, more people like him, more people like her, more people out there who are so committed to the gospel of Jesus. They, they may not even know the Bible all the way through, but they do, they do know this. God came into my life, and he turned some things around for me. And I want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to feel the same glory, the same power that it came into my life. I want a mission from God to come and share, save one soul. Who's your one? Who's the one that you are committed to over the next 30 days? We have these cards right here. And every day we've asked you to pray each day. So the 8th, today the 7th, you pray, you read the scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. 
read these scriptures every day because we want to be in tune with one another. You don't have to go to this church to read the scriptures. We want you to just be committed to being sharing the gospel and picking one person, one person, just one person that you're praying for every day, that you're spending some time with every day, that they're experiencing Christianity discipleship through you every day by just interacting with them. Not going over to them and saying, you know what the Lord said to me. Not, 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 not that. But building a relationship with them. Because we believe that if each one of us grab one person, just one person, to expand God's glory, his kingdom will change the condition of this world. We got a mission here as well. Our mission is found in the Great Commission. Make disciples of the world. I want to come to this. I'm going to focus on these three words we got in here. Luke 5, 26. Everyone, Luke 5, 26. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We've seen remarkable things today. Everyone was amazed. Amazed. The word amazed universally in Greek means something like this. Casting down of a thing from its proper place or state displacement. They were amazed about what they saw. It was not in the place that it should have been. They were amazed at how what they envisioned this man who was in a mat to walk away whole and become healed. They were amazed just to say, this doesn't even make sense. This is displaced. This is not reality. They were amazed. God wants to amaze you. God wants to amaze you if you put yourself in a position where you say, I have a mission. I want to get there regardless of how I have to get there. Things may come my way to get in my, may call, become obstacles. I'm going to get there regardless of those things. I'm going to drop my mat down and I'm going to walk away whole. God is calling on us to find our mission. Get amazed. The word awe here it says, they were filled with awe, the NIV says, and they were filled with awe. The word awe is translated from the Greek because in the King James Version it says fear. And the word phobos. Phobos is, means fear, dread, terror. But what's amazed here, they say they were filled with awe. In the Greek form of the word phobos, it also means revere of one's husband. So they were just respectful of what had transpired in the midst of them. They were in awe, fear, revered. They had great reverence for the situation. They were amazed and they were in awe. God wants you to, not just to be amazed. He wants you to be in awe. He wants you to respect and have reverence for his power. But to do so, you have to move like he's real and knowing that victory is yours right now. Get on your mission. And then it goes up and he says, we have seen remarkable things today in verse 26. We have seen remarkable things today. The word remarkable defined here from into the Greek is this unexpected, uncommon, incredible, wonderful. See, remarkable things are those things that are not common to us. They are not necessarily expected. But God is calling us to move from being the same things are remarkable to seeing that things are regular. See? I want to be in a place that I'm expecting God to do something miraculous every day. You want to be in a position where you anticipate something good and great is going to happen every day. 
You want to be so sure that when you're on your mission that no matter what comes my way, I'm expecting something to be remarkable every day. It shouldn't be a surprise that God heals. It shouldn't be a surprise when things show up. It shouldn't be a surprise that you win a soul. It shouldn't be a surprise that somebody says, man, I want to be more like you because you're walking around as a disciple of the Lord and Savior Jesus. And as you want to, so you become a true disciple of Jesus. We all want to be true. Please stand to your feet. Fisherman fish. Are you a fisherman? July 4th here in North Carolina is, you don't have to have a license to fish. And I, I looked out over the lake and I saw people out fishing on the 4th of July. And it was remarkable to see people throwing in the, just having fun, just having fun fishing. And that was, that was all right. Then I saw something that amazed me, and I was in awe, and it was remarkable. I saw this bird come, and he flew in. It's like he paused in the air. I think he's a hawk. He's a hawk. And he paused in the air, and he could see him look down. And he's about, I don't know, parallel to me. He's about 30 feet in the air, 40 feet in the air. And he pauses. He goes straight down. He goes straight down and he grabs this fish and he flies away. That is amazing. That's amazing. I didn't know they, they fly fast, they came to like a stop and just hovered. Went straight down. He's a fisherman. I was in awe. I was amazed, and it was remarkable. But see, God created, like the guys who were fishing, they didn't catch nothing. I never saw them catch a fish. Out there for an hour, I watched them for an hour. They didn't catch a fish. I didn't catch a fish either. But this hawk, you can see that he was determined. And as he was hovering there, one of the little birds came up behind him. The little birds, like, I don't know, they must peck on him or something like that, little birds. And it was pecking on him, but that bird didn't even, he didn't, he didn't flinch. That obstacle didn't mean anything to him because he was determined to get his fish. And for the last three days, I've been watching this, uh, this baby cardinal who's on my deck the last three days. He comes and he sits there. And then a, a, a mother, father cardinal, I can't tell the difference, comes and they feed him with the beak. And he starts to flutter and fly. He just gets excited. And he goes back and he sits and he waits again for another hour. And they come back, he gets all excited. He can't fly just yet. But I'm amazed. I'm in awe of the commitment that the mama has to feeding this little baby. So I'm videotaping it so I can make a documentary. But anyway, what I'm telling you is these birds will 
not let anything stop them from fulfilling what's naturally their call to complete. We are naturally called by God to complete this mission. Don't let any obstacles come. I mean, I come out on the deck and the, the, the mama bird flies away. So I got to hide real low so they don't see me and take pictures. But she comes right back. You have to keep coming back. When things get difficult and hard, you got to keep coming back again. You got to understand that you're on a mission from God to save somebody just like you, just like me. Who's your one? Who's the one you're speaking life into? So today, I'm going to pray for everybody here, those who are visiting, those who hang out with us on a regular basis, whatever it may be. This is for everybody who calls themselves a Christian. You're on a mission from God. Your statement is to make disciples of men and to save souls. That's the Great Commission. That's for everybody. So, this altar call is right where you are today. Yet, it's an altar call. Put it into your heart today. If you need something from Christ today, this is the season to get it. If you need a healing today, this is the season to, to believe and trust God today. If you need your business to flourish, this is the season to trust God today. If you need something from God to happen into your life, to take you to the next level, this is your moment right here and right now. So, all eyes closed. Focus on the Lord. Focus on his goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness. Focus on the fact that he came, he lived, he struggled, he fought. He took the beatings, the brutality. He hung him on the cross. He died. And per scriptures, he had to fulfill. For three days, he went down. And he got back up with all power in his hand. And ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to make room for us. The word of the Lord says that we are co-heirs with Christ. And that we, too, will sit to the right of our Lord God with our son, Lord Jesus. That's what the scripture said. But it all starts with this moment right here, right now. If you don't believe, I challenge you to trust God. And if you need something from God, I challenge you to believe in him right now. So Father God, those who are called to be in this place today, dear Lord, stop by into their life break the mold of righteousness, replace it with those things that are righteous and holy and true. Speak life into death situations. Speak life into finances. Speak life into health. Speak life into mental stress. Speak life into families. Speak life into marriages. Speak life into relationships today, Father. Honor us, Lord, with your glory today. Break this yoke of bondage. It keeps us away from being more than just Christians. We want to be more than just disciples. We want to be true disciples, dear Lord. Evangelists, some mighty and some small. If we win one soul or many souls, dear Lord, it doesn't matter. We know that you celebrate when this. The heaven celebrates when one 
coming to the fold. So place us on our mission, Father. Speak into existence now. Let it be carved into our hearts, dear Father. Let us not run from it. Let us run to our calling. Because you live. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say it. Amen. Give God a hand praise in this place. Come on, somebody. All right. Yeah.